what I want to do this morning, just for the next few moments, and I'm not going to keep you too long because we have some cupcakes for you guys in the back and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, but I, I <laughs> got excited, huh? <laughs> I could end it now. Y'all would be good, right? You're like, hey. <laughs> but I, I just want to share some things with you regarding vision. We've been in a series this month uh, called Focus. And this whole series has been about us seeing God's vision for our lives. And then we had seeing God's vision for our relationships and seeing God's vision for our families. And uh, today is really seeing God's vision for our church. It's important for us to have vision for a church. Uh, we don't just want to be a church that exists. Because uh, as, as you know, the city of Dallas and the surrounding cities are not hurting for churches. We have churches down the street. We have churches across the street. We have churches down the block. We have churches within a mile radius of each other, all over the metroplex. It's, it's, it's not about uh, the number of churches we have and like we need more churches. I'm not saying we don't need more churches, but that's not what we're, we're, we're hungry for. What I believe what we're ultimately hungry for, what all of us churches uh, need to come together and unified on is vision. And ultimately, what does God have us here for? Why are we here? What is our purpose? What is our reason for us as a church? What is our uh, reason for Arise Church existing? And I, I want to use this, this example. I've used this example before, this illustration before. If you've, if you've, uh, I shared this with our leadership team about a year ago, and I've shared this with a few before, but I think it's one of the greatest illustrations I have regarding vision. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Matthew Emmons, Matthew Emmons. He is a 2004 U.S. Olympian, 2004 U.S. Olympian. He uh, was uh, uh, an athlete in the 15-meter three-position rifle competition. So he shot a rifle into a bullseye, a target. That was his competition. Well, Matthew Emmons was the best in the world. He uh, was a world champion. He was the best. He was the shoe-in to win the gold medal in the 2004 Olympics. It, he was the guy. He is the man. And every, all eyes were on Matthew Emmons in the 2004 Olympics because they just knew this is the gold. This is the guy who's going to take gold. This is the guy who's going to win gold. And so he arrives at the Olympics, and he begins to compete uh, in, his, in the competitions. And he, he takes one competition. He, he, he scores high. The next competition, he scores high. And, and the bottom line is he gets to the very final competition uh, of, his, of his sport, and he's, uh, he's, the, he's the leader in all the scores. He's, he's the leader in the leaderboard. He is, he is the guy who's going to win the gold, and all he had to do in this final competition was to shoot within the circle. He didn't even have to hit the bullseye to win the gold. He was that far ahead of everybody else that was competing. Just, just hit the target, Matthew. That's all you have to do. And so Matthew lines up uh, in his lane to, to take position with his rifle to shoot his target. And he lines up, and there's a whole kind of, uh, 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 there's a whole process involved with doing so because you have to calm your nerves. You got to calm your, you got to slow your heart rate down. You got to calm your breathing. And so Matthew goes through all the, the normal processes he normally does to hit his target target, and he calms his breathing down, his heart rate gets where it needs to be, and he lines up and gets his, his, his scope on right on the target, and as soon as he gets it on the target, he shoots bullseye. But instead of hearing a loud cheer from the crowd, all he heard was, oh, do it with me, just go, oh, 
That's all he heard. Because what happened to Matthew Emmons was he hit the bullseye, but on the wrong target. True story. He put all this effort, he put all this energy into hitting the bullseye, but it was in the lane next to him. And needless to say, he scored nothing in that round. He went from first place to eighth place and left without a medal. And I share that illustration with you and, and, and because, man, it's, it's hor- I feel bad for Matthew. I really do. But I'm grateful for Matthew, too, because I can use that illustration anywhere. Because it, because it, it, it helps me illustrate the fact that, that, that when we are focusing on things, we have to ask ourselves the question, if we're putting all of our energy, all of our resource into focusing on the target, is it the right target? Are we focusing on the things we're supposed to be focusing on? Are we, are we putting all our resource and all our energy into the right thing? Because see, you can't just aim at anything. You have to aim at the right thing. And so for us as a church, for Arise Church, I have to really answer the question, what are we aiming at? What is our focus? What is our vision? What do we want to see accomplished here as a church? Why do we have different ministries the way that we do? Why do we have different programs? Why do we spend our money this way? Why do we, and, 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 and it's important to say, well, in doing all of that, is that lined up in the vision? Is it lined up on the bullseye in the target of the right thing we're supposed to be aiming at? And so what I want to do this morning, just for a few moments, is this, I want to talk about our target. I want to talk about our bullseye. I want to talk about our vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint, but blesses the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Now, we, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard that before, right? Where there is no vision, people perish. We, we know that passage of Scripture where there is no revelation, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint, meaning they're just kind of, there's no, there's no uh, uh, focus. There's no, uh, they're just wandering aimlessly. There, there's, there's nothing, there's no boundaries. There's, there's nothing set in motion. And I don't want to be a church just wandering aimlessly. I want to be a church that is focused. I want to be a church that has vision. I want to be a church that has a definitive answer as to why we are here. And that's important for you to know. Because when people ask you, hey, why do you go to Arise Church? I want you to have an answer. I want you to know why you come here. I don't want you to say, well, just because my mom comes here, that's why I come. Yeah, my family goes there, so I just, I I tag along. But I believe it's important for you to understand and know what our focus is, to understand and know what our vision is, to understand and know why we are here. Because, see, there are three things that vision creates for us. Three things that vision creates for us. If you're taking notes, you can write this down really quick. I'm going to breeze through this really fast. The first thing that vision creates for us, obviously, is focus. It creates for us focus. Proverbs 17, 24 says this, a discerning person keeps wisdom in view keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eye wanders to the ends of the earth. Man, we, we want to stay focused. 
We want to stay in the line of sight. We want to stay at our bullseye, in our lane. We want to make sure we are running in the lane that we are supposed to be running in. Vision creates focus. Vision also creates endurance. It also creates endurance. So what does that mean? Well, what we're about to step into in this new season of a church, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be supernatural. God is going to do some incredible things. I believe that. But it doesn't mean it won't come without its challenges. It doesn't mean that we won't go through any dark seasons. It doesn't mean that we won't encounter some trials or some problems. But if we have vision, but if we know where we're going, if we know where we're headed, then we can endure those trials. We can endure those situations. I, I use this illustration all the time, and, and, and it's not Matthew Emmons this time. This time it's my wife. Um, and she's like, oh, oh, gosh. So vision creates endurance, right? You need to know why, where you're going so you can endure the pain and the agony and the, temp- and the trials and everything you're going through. Well, my, my wife, we have, we have two lovely daughters, Sophia and Elena. Well, my wife, she's just different this way, but I love her for it. She says, hey, I want to have a baby at home. I want to have a home birth. Okay. Don't know what that entails. Don't know what that looks like. Never really seen that before, except a little house on the prairie. But I, I never, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that was. So she wanted to have a home birth. So I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. So we, we go through the process, and the, the, it's that time, right? My daughter, Elena, is about to be born. And so we're in our bedroom, and uh, the, the midwife is there, and, and, and yeah, we had a midwife, too. And uh, she was there along with her assistant, and, and, and she's going through her, her, her labor pains. She's going through this process. And so I don't know how many hours had passed by. It was probably, what, about six, seven hours, right? She's in pain. She's in agony. And all I can do is just kind of be there for her and just kind of stand next to her, rub her back, just kind of. And, and the cool thing about a home birth, cool thing about a home birth, and I'm, I'm pushing for home birth, is that you can walk around the house and do whatever you want to do. But see, the cool thing with us, we had family over, so there was pizza in the kitchen. Like, there was family there. We're all waiting. That's the home birth. That's how exciting it was. Well, so she's... She's in pain, and, and she's just kind of going through, and she's like, oh, she's like, and I'm rubbing her back, and I'm like, it's going to be okay. You, you can do this. You can do this. I'm encouraging her. And so the, the midwife comes in. She goes, Nancy, you've made excellent progress. We're like, wow. This, I mean, seven hours, eight hours passed by, an hour, hour. She says, you made great progress. She says, Nancy, when you started, you were here. Now you're here. Like, that's it? Nine hours? That, that's, that's what this is? Like, nine hours, ten hours, like, that, this is progress? But she knew she was going to stop at nothing to see her little girl. She had a vision of her little girl. She had a vision of our daughter, and we couldn't wait to see her. We couldn't wait to hear her. We couldn't wait to hold her. And so she's willing to endure the pain. She's willing to endure 
that trial. She's willing to endure whatever it took to see our little girl. But see, focus, vision helps us endure. When we know where we're headed, when we know what we're aiming for, it doesn't matter what comes our way. We got a vision. We got somewhere to go. We got things to do. We got things we need to accomplish. Oh, but trial is coming. That's all right. We still got a destination. And see, when you don't have vision, when you don't have focus, when you don't know what you're aiming for, when you don't know where you're headed, when you go through some trial, when you go through some heartache, when you go through some pain, some people will just say, man, just give it up. What's the point? But as a church, I want to give us focus. As a church, I want to give us vision. As a church, I want to give us something that we can hold on to and look to and say, hey, you know what? We've gone through some trials. We've gone through some dark seasons, but it doesn't matter because we got somewhere we need to be. Focus gives you endurance. Focus gives you endurance. Ecclesiastes 2.11 says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. We see all this effort. We see all this energy in something that didn't even matter. We see all this, 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 this energy and resource that was used for something that didn't even matter. But so now he's tired. Now he's weary. But for us, we got somewhere to go. We got vision. We got focus ahead of us. So now when we get to our vision, when we get to our bullseye, it doesn't matter if we come in scraped up. It doesn't matter if we come in tired. It doesn't matter if we come in bruised we've got vision we've accomplished something it wasn't in vain we know why we are here we know what our focus is focus vision brings about focus endurance it brings about peace because see when we do go through the trial when we do go through some dark seasons and and pastor Sonny and Susan can attest to this they they know what it is in the 30 years that they were leading this church. They know what it is to endure. They know what it is to go through dark seasons. Some of those seasons we got to see, and there were probably many seasons people don't know anything about. But they had a vision. But they had focus. They had clarity. They knew where they were going. They knew where they were headed. And they were willing to endure. And because of that, God brought them peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Vision brings about peace. So what are we aiming at as a church? Let's just break this down. Why, why, do, why are we here? What is all this for? Why do we gather on Sunday mornings? Why do we meet? Why is this important? Why do we give? Why? I, I need you to know that this morning. And this morning, all I want to do in the rest of our time together is I want to give you these really kind of four pillars, these kind of four legs of the table that, 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 that keep us up, that keep us going, that drive us in our vision. The first thing I, I want us to see as a church, the first thing that I want us to lay a foundation for as a church, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, when we gather in our midweek services, when we gather in, in, in our events or, or other uh, ministry events that we have, why do we gather? Why do we come together? And ultimately, number one, write this down, the main reason why we gather is this, we want you to know God. Plain and simple. We want you to know God. God, not just know about him, 
but to know him. To know him. Ephesians 1.16, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he makes this statement. He says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He said, I'm praying for you that you would come to know God better. That you would come to know God as a father, as a provider. That you would come to know God as a savior, our salvation. That you would come to know God as our helper. I want you to know God better. I don't want you to know what people say about him, but I want you to know him for yourself. Know him for yourself. So when we gather, anytime we speak from this platform, it is about you getting to know him better. See, the problem a lot of times is, and, 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 and I think this happens in churches all over the place. Many times y'all just take our word for it. Well, the pastor said it, so that must be true. And look, man, I, 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 I study, I read, I, I do my best that I can to make sure that I don't speak out of line, that I don't say anything that is, that is outside of the Bible. Uh, but let me just tell you something. I am not perfect by any means. So there are times I may read something or say something that my hope is that when you leave here, you go back and read that and say, you know what? That, well, Chris said that don't. I don't see that in the Bible. I, I, I couldn't find that anywhere. And what does that mean? That means that you're coming to know God for yourself. You're not just relying on me to deposit that to you, but you're saying, hey, I want to know God better. I want to know him more. So whatever I need to do, whatever I need to listen to, whatever I need to read, whatever I need to seek God on, I want to know him for myself. We want you to know God. So if you ask, hey, why do you come to Arise Church? Hey, you know what? I, I want to know God better. I want to grow in my knowledge and understanding of God. I want to grow in my knowledge and understanding of who he is. I want you to know God. The second thing and leg of the table that I want to lay out for you this morning is this. Not only do I want you to know God, but when people come to this church, we want you to find freedom. We want you to find freedom. We sang declarations of freedom this morning. We sang those declarations because we meant it. We sang those declarations because many of us know what freedom is. Many of us know what it was to be bound. Many of us know what it was to be captive in our sin. We knew what it was to be captive in, in, our, in our bondages. We, we knew what that was, but because of Jesus, we've been made free. We now know what freedom is. And so when people come into these doors, when they step foot and sit in these chairs, I want you to know God, but I also want you to find freedom. I don't want you to stay in the same position you came in with. But I want chains to be broken. I want bondages to be set, be let loose. I want, I want you to walk into freedom. I want you to walk into the newness of life. I want you to arise to new life. But I want you to find freedom. Well, how do we find freedom? Obviously, God can supernaturally break chains off of you. 
Spiritually, he'll do that. You ask him to, he'll do it. But I believe another way that we find freedom when it comes to the house of God is through each other. It's through each other. What does the book of James say? James chapter 5. James 5, 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be what? Healed. That you may be healed. You can receive forgiveness from God. He'll forgive you. He'll make things right between you and him. But, but then there's this, there's this step of healing. There's this step of freedom that needs to happen. And that happens when we connect with one another, when we fellowship with one another, when we engage one another in our services on Sundays and on Wednesdays and any other ministry event. We need to find freedom. That's why this is important. That's why this fellowship is important. That's why I love Jesus and I love his church. I can't tell you how much healing I found in a church. I can't tell you how much freedom and liberty I found in a church. And a lot of that freedom and liberty and healing obviously came from the Lord, but he came from the Lord also sending people and putting people in my circle that I can be real with, that I can be vulnerable with, that I can be authentic with. But I want you to know God, but I want you to find freedom. I don't want you to leave out of here the same way that you came. I don't want you attending this church for five years or ten years and still battle the same demons you were battling ten years ago. I want you to find freedom. And prayerfully arise church can be that church for you where you find freedom. The third thing I want us to see as a church is this. Not only do you want to know God, not only do we want to find freedom as a church, but for every single one of us in here, we need to discover purpose. We need to discover why, why we are here. Okay, now we're, we're understanding why the church is here, to know God. We want to find freedom, but now, God, what do you, what, what's my purpose? What, what am I called to do? What am I called to, to, to work in? Why do you, God, how, what do you want to use me in? What area of ministry do you, do you want me uh, uh, to serve in? What area of ministry do you want me to, to lead in? Lord, I need to discover my purpose. I need to find out why I am here. And let me just tell you something. We as a church, we as a church, as a leadership team, as elders, as pastors, we as a church have a responsibility to equip you, to resource you to help you find and discover your purpose. So you're not just walking around aimlessly. So you're not just going through the motions and not just attending church, but taking your position as the church to discover purpose. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul again writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, but to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. We as a church have a responsibility to equip you for the works of service, to equip you to discover why you exist. You're not just here to take up a seat space, but you have purpose. God designed you specifically for a certain work and a certain task and a certain purpose. And we want to help you do that. One of the ways we're creating and putting together for you to do that is we, we want to get better at our really what we call assimilation as a church. What that mean, it means is, 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 is folks who come to visit our church who may be visiting here today, folk, new members that may be coming, whatever that may be, we want to get together. We want to sit down with you. We want to help you discover your purpose. We don't want you to wander around aimlessly here at the church. We want you to see this and claim this as, hey, this is, this is my house. This is my house. I, I, I have a purpose here. I serve here. And we want to do all that we can to better equip you. And so over the next few weeks, you're going to see that laid out. You're going to see dates and stuff we're going to have where we're going to help you discover your purpose. We're going to help you discover why you are here at Arise Church. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and fourthly and lastly, now that you've discovered your purpose, now we want you to make a difference. Make a difference. Make a difference. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you, say me, each of you should use whatever gift you have, every gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So, so the gifting you've discovered, the gifting that you now have, whatever you discover your purpose to be, now you are to use that to make a difference. Arise Church is going to make a difference in this community. Arise Church is going to make a difference in this city. Arise Church will make a difference in the world. And thankfully, with the foundations that have already been laid, Pastor Sonny and Susan have set us up to succeed. They didn't set us up to fail, but they set us up to succeed. They set us up to make a difference. They set us up to make an impact on the world. And let me tell you something, for 32 years now, Southwest Harvest Church has been making a significant impact all over the world. All over the world. The Knatzer name. Doesn't matter where you go when you bring up the Knatzer name. They speak so highly of the Knatzer family. They speak highly of their faithfulness. They speak highly of their marriage. And let me just say this about Pastor Sonny and Susan. Thank you so much for for, for being an example of faithfulness in marriage. In 32 years of ministry here in this house, thank you. Thank you. That's impact. That's difference. But we're called to make a difference. 
What difference are you going to make? What difference are we going to make as a church? And so when people ask you, well, why, why Arise Church? Why, why are you here? Why do you attend there? What is it? Is it, you know, is it uh, the worship is great? Is it, man, is it, man, the preaching's, eh, he's all right. But, but like, man, the people are great. Like, what, what are the reasons why, why, you, why you attend this church? Well, let me tell you something. These four pillars right here, man, I want to know God, man. I want to find freedom. I want to discover my purpose. I want to make a difference. That's why I attend Arise Church. So I want to read some declarations to you as we close out of here. These are some declarations I want to read to you that I think will kind of set the course for us over this next season of our life as a church, Arise Church. We'll have these declarations printed on our, displayed on our website because I, I, I believe that we as a church, it, it doesn't just fall on me. We all get the opportunity to participate in this. Let me read to you these declarations. And I want to read them to you boldly. I want to proclaim these things to us as a church. And I want to help set the course and chart the course for where we're going. Here's what I believe for Arise Church. Arise will be, so, uh, Arise will be a church so attractive and so refreshing that the buildings struggle to contain the increase. Arise will be a church where the people have found their relationship with God instead of religion. Where living for God is no longer an obligation, it's a heartfelt desire. Arise will be a church where people are continually taking steps in their spiritual journey with the goal of reaching new heights in every part of their lives. Arise will be a church full of people who are growing in God and discovering that God wants to use them to make a difference, where every person is experiencing the kind of fulfillment that only God can give. Arise will be a church where God uses ordinary people to serve the people of our city so that they in turn would open their hearts to God. Arise will be a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. Arise will be a church so committed to raising, training, empowering men, women, young people, and children who will go from this place and change the whole world. Arise will be a church who never stops searching for the lost people because God never stops searching for us. Arise church will be a people so kingdom-minded that they would not count whatever it costs and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep this land. Arise will be a church that realizes that none of this can happen in our own ability. Instead, we will be a church that is committed to prayer and dependence on the Holy Spirit. Arise will be a church where Jesus is famous and all the glory goes to God. Let's stand to our feet. I believe that. I believe that. Because we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. And I invite you to go along this journey with us. Because see, every single one of you has a purpose. Every single one of you is a gift to the church. Not this just church, but the church as a whole. You are a gift. And we want to do whatever we can 
to help you discover that purpose, to help you unwrap that gift. Every single one of you plays a vital role in where we're going and where we're headed. And as I said at the beginning of this message, I, 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 there, those of you that came to visit this morning, and I'm glad you did, and many of you have church homes, and you are a gift to that church. But there may be some of you here who do not have a church home. Some of you may just be wandering, like, I, I don't know, I'm, trying, I'm searching, I'm trying to find a, a, a fellowship, I'm trying to find a place to belong, I'm trying to find... I need you to prayerfully consider that this would become your home. That this would become your home. Not going to beg you, but I'm going to ask you just to prayerfully consider that. And help, let us help you discover your purpose. Let us help you find freedom. Let us help you know God better so that you in tune can make a difference. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the church. Not just the rise church, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the bride. The church that is the hope of the world. The church that makes a difference in our cities, in our communities in our lives. We thank you for being a part of the church. We thank you that you call us ordinary people to represent you to a lost and dying world. We thank you. We thank you that we have purpose. We have purpose, we have vision. We're not just wandering aimlessly, God but you created us with a destiny and a future and a hope. We thank you. We thank you. This morning before we get out of here, I do want to take this opportunity just to present this invitation to you not to join our church, but to join the family of God. There may be people here this morning that say, man, I've never had a relationship with Jesus before. I've never really asked for forgiveness of my sin. I feel like I'm wandering aimlessly. I feel like I don't have direction. I feel like I don't have hope. And I don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, today I want to present that to you. Today I want to present the opportunity to have Jesus to become Lord of your life. To forgive you of your sins. To cleanse you. And to have you step into a brand new life. All it takes... All it takes is you believing. Believing that God sent his son Jesus, his only begotten son, to live a perfectly sinless life on this earth. 
to die on a cross for your sin, for my sin, so that our sins could be forgiven. And three days later, he rose from the dead. He resurrected from the dead so that we could have a new life. And this morning, I want to invite you to that new life. And so this morning, just for a few moments, I'm going to invite you. If you say, Chris, I want that new life. I want a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask you to come down and meet me at this altar.